good, good, good. Oh, and I've got coffee left. Run, brother, run. Butch, pleasure to make a hat. Nice to meet you, my friend. Um, is Butch your actual name? No, so let's, ex- <laughs> let's explain that one. Every- <laughs> no, no, it's a good one. So my background, French-Canadian, right? So born speaking French in the, in the uh, French-Canadian province of Quebec. And my last name is Bouchard. B-O-U-C-H, right? Bouch- and A-R-D, Bouchard. If a, you know, a French-Canadian that his last name is Bouchard, Boucher, anything Bouch. The nickname in French is Butch, but B-O-U-C-H. Mm. But when you, you know, I joined the military and the, the unit I was in, is, is the rest of Canada is English. You need to speak English. So, so when, when you introduce yourself, Butch, the French-Canadian way to, to an Englishman, you'll write it like Butch, B-U-T-C-H. You don't care. And it, it just became... There, there's guys that I worked with for two decades that don't know my name. They call me Butch. Yeah, right, that's, that's, a, that's a military thing, that. Yeah, it, it is, it is. Same with, same with us. There was a what's, guy. You, what's your nickname? I didn't have one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was... I did when I was in school. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. kids are horrible. Mm-hmm. I had Jass or Janus. Yeah. So Hugh Jass. Yeah. Hugh Janus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I saw mine as Butch. <laughs> that's it. And then, but in the military yeah. now, it was, yeah. it was so just. Oh, I, I, I tell I you what, it. I tell a lie. I tell a lie. So when I was growing up, my, my, my dad called me Shug. Uh-huh. S-H-U-G, and that's, that's Scottish cool. slang for Hugh, right? That's cool. But that was the closest thing I got to a nickname when I was serving, is the cup, the very few people who I came in contact, mm-hmm. who who knew about Shug being a Hugh nickname, they would call me, which yeah. of which there was maybe two or three in, in my entire career would call mm-hmm. me Shug. Everyone else called me Hugh or Kia, but Hugh normally, yeah. I use it as, not a weapon, but I use it as a tool now because, oh wow, that's nice. Um, was that thunder? Yeah, I think so. Supposed cool. to have a yeah, thunder shower. Cool. Um, I use it as a tool because in my my brotherhood, Butch. And then I start using it as a tool when I meet someone, and I know he's not gonna ever be in my circle. <laughs> yeah. You see where I'm going? Yeah. My name's Sebastian. <laughs> I don't love my name is Sebastian. So I introduce myself as Sebastian because as the what? My name's Sebastian. Oh, Sebastian. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he calls me Sebastian. And then if you, you call me Butch because we're close, we're close, we're friends. If I, if, if, if somebody two years down the line is like, hey, I recognize you, Sebastian. I know immediately, ah, you know, that's why I don't recognize him because he calls me Sebastian. Like it, it, it might sound, <laughs> like, okay, it might yeah, sound yeah, weird yeah. to you, but my, yeah, yeah, yeah. my circle is Butch. Yeah. My wife, by the way, refused calling me Butch, what Sebastian for. So she's the only one that's important that calls me Sebastian. And then, uh, yeah, Butch is for my close circle. So even though we meet a decade later and you call me Butch, I know that at some point, you know, and then it, I'll probably remember you, but you see where I'm going? So I use it as a tool, Butch or Sebastian. Yeah, it amuses me when spouses call their yeah. husbands or partners by their nickname. Yeah. Like, so I can think of three examples. So, bags. Yeah. Jess calls bags bags. Really? Well, yeah. Well, I, well, I've heard of. Her, I don't know if that's just I when she's referring this. to his friends about him because I met up with her the other day, and when she was referencing bags, she was saying bags as opposed to Ben. And there's another guy called Grovesy, and his missus calls him Grovesy, and I'm pretty sure that's how she always refers to him as Grovesy. Yeah. Maybe in the house when I was looking at it, it's like his yeah. first name. 
Jesus, that rain. I can hear. And then there was there was someone uh, there was someone who he didn't stay in for very long, but his nickname was Albert. His first name was not Albert. His surname was not Albert. He was just called Albert. And his missus, oh, I think he's now divorced from, would call him Albert. Like Lucini, that was his yeah. name, Albert. It, it, was, like it wasn't his name. first name. Yeah. His first name was Ricky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his missus would call him Albert. Yeah. This is funny. It amuses me. It amuses me. Anyway, do you miss Canada? I do. Really? I Go do. on, what do you miss about it? Um, I miss um, the land, you know. It's, it's, it's more open. There's more space. Um, takes a while here I live in London so you know to, to go and see nature takes a long time in Canada nature is always even if you're in a big city ugh, Toronto you're 40 minutes away from wilderness you know I miss that I miss the people obviously I miss my friends and family but uh, I, I I don't miss the culture I, I'm, I'm well you know I'm, I'm happy to be in the UK now um, I, I do actually like the history here and, and the culture. Um, there's no real, you know, I'm Canadian. We don't have a strong old culture. You see what I mean? So it's, yeah, you can even hear it. In, uh, it's good if you can hear background noise in this podcast, it's, it's hammering down with rain outside and there's a tin roof yeah. um, where we're recording today. But yeah, go on. And ice hockey. I cannot even watch live ice hockey here. Even if I, I tried subscribing to the NHL network, but, but because, you know, now they block certain countries. I can't even get a, pay good money to, to watch hockey. So I have to watch uh, YouTube or, you know, and the games are there too old. I need to introduce you to some websites, mate. Will you be able to no, watch the ice hockey? I, I, yes, I, I do it, but... Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I do, but it's it's a pain because those links they'll they'll get flagged or something. So now you gotta find another alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see what you're saying, but uh, you ask me what I miss. Miss hockey, miss uh, wilderness, and shooting. Uh, we don't have a great gun culture, but you can legally own a pistol, a carbine. Uh, it changed recently, actually, pistols and and. Oh, you can legally own a pistol, yeah. You can legally own a carbine, yeah. You do? Yeah, you can, yeah. You can legally own one. None of it. I was was looking it up. I was literally looking it up yesterday. Because I did a... Who was I talking to about gun laws and all that? Oh, a guy called... um, Kim Hughes. Ex-EOD guy. And he spends a lot of time... Well, his his job now is a a lot to do with firearms and shooting and weapons training and stuff like that he spends a lot of time in the States anyway long story short I think on that podcast we, I referenced or he referenced the UK being like middle ground for somewhere between a state or a country which has, you're not allowed any firearms mm-hmm. and what the US is where you can have anything you fucking want right because um, I see I see the UK as like middle ground it's like you can have firearms here mm-hmm. we are heavily it's heavily regulated but you can own a firearm here. You can own a pistol. You can own a carbine. You can own a shotgun. And you can sport shoot them somewhere. One hundred percent. So the so the, so the difference over here is, um, you there's ju- more hoops to jump through to allow to be allowed to legally own one, and you can't. So, and self defence is not a legitimate reason to own one. So you have to have a legitimate reason to own a firearm. Same, same it can be something you do with your job. It can be. Um, there is there is a rule where 
you're allowed to own one if it is to put animals out of their misery after they've been accidentally harmed for example you run over a deer it's dying and you can come yeah 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 yeah, exactly pest control you can do it sport shooting you can do it um so you can do it and and pistols and stuff like that but of the different types of firearm for example pistol Mm -hmm. they're like you can't legally own a nine milli pistol for example yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. uh i'm happy to report my my uh long range my 308 rifle you know built like a sniper rifle made by Prairie Gunworks is in the UK at the moment I haven't seen it yet coming a bit closer there because it's rain just like I managed uh, (laughs) um, yeah so so through some contacts my my rifle is now in the UK yeah yeah I haven't seen it yet Uh, it's a process like you said I have to jump through hoops but uh, at the moment it's in a vault on an approved range and out because I'm an immigrant I'm a foreigner right so I'll be able to sign it out like a guest but magically this rifle will never be signed out to anyone that wants to partake in the sport of shooting it's just going to be me when I show up I can pay my I pay my fee just like someone that's visiting this range to do the experience of shooting but it's there for me to sign pay my so they own the rifle yeah that's my my rifle but they they do now they so, so the range trust, owns the rifle. Yeah, right. Yeah. I go, ah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good system. Yeah, look, it's through. I, I got a around, pretty robust network in the shooting community in Canada, and it happens that a guy that I know does business it, it's with here, right? The, the, yeah. Uh, uh, but that's not illegal. What's being said there? Yeah, there's nothing illegal nothing about it no. because it, I'm, I'm showing up with like anyone yeah. that wants to do the experience of shooting a bolt action rifle. It just happens that this one will never be released oh, cool. to the public. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. What um, did you, so did you grow up shooting in Canada? No, zero. I grew up in Montreal, Canada, big city, about the you know a bit smaller than London. Stop now. Um, no, I'm a city boy. What's um, Montreal like compared to London? I've got I've never been to Canada. Um, well, you have to go to Canada. Um, Montreal is is uh, one of the big. You know, one of the two cities, uh, big cities in, in the province of Quebec, so the French-Canadian province I was talking about. Um, and it's one of the places you need to see in Canada. It's a nice, it's a vibrant city, uh, multicultural. The summers there are great. The food is great because, you know, the French lineage. And, uh, yeah, I, I grew up in, in kind of like, I don't know how you guys call it here, estates, you know, like a run-down part of town. Yeah, um, um, yeah, states, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, where poor people live in. Grew up in a council estate. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of. Yeah. So it's state, was it state provided? No, it wasn't. But uh, no, no, it wasn't. And, and we do have those type of, of estates and stuff, but it's not as, yeah, here there's many. Super common, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not common. It's just you pay low rent because your place is shit, your landlord's an asshole. And um, yeah, so that's where I grew up. It's a eastern part. Montreal's an island. You know, it, it, it's an island on a, on a big river, the St. Lawrence River. It's a huge island, but it's on a river. Right? Is it really? Yeah, I'll show you on satellite imagery after. Uh, <laughs> so you can How wide is that river? Jesus. Uh, not, not that wide. Look, um, uh, at some points, a K. It's a huge river because it, it connects all the way to the, to the ocean. Yeah. You know, it's, it goes inland. Quebec City is on the shore yeah, of that we're look big right river. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, look at it. Quebec City is, is um, on the shore of it, and yeah. then Montreal is, is an island. 
if you type uh, if you type Montreal, Canada. Montreal. Can- yeah. Sorry, people, I, I can't show you this. Uh, Montreal, Canada. Have a look. Um, what do you think is on that subject of council houses? For example, like state-provided accommodation. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? So you're aware of the system over here. Yeah, what do you think I'm about it compared to Canada? Well, I th- it's good idea or a bad idea? You need to help people that are struggling. You know, uh, a lot of people just just like here. I'm sure they, they take advantage of it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but they will not. I, do, I don't think they provide us with free lodging, but you get free money, right, from taxpayers. So, so that's a big thing. And there's a lot of, uh, I'm lucky my, my parents weren't scamming the government. The government, we were legit poor. And um, <coughs> they, they were getting some money uh, from the government to, to pay rent, to pay food, not much food. Um, you know, I, I was one of those families that, I don't know, at Christmas, you know, you get Christmas baskets, you get two, three days worth of food from the church. That, that's why I'm, I speak to God is because I, I basically got semi-raised because my dad had to work so much, so many jobs at low pay, but to, to make a living, I barely see him. And, and uh, my mom was at a small job, but mostly stay-at-home mom, and, uh, but she wasn't great. So next-door neighbors, I, w- I lived across the street of a church, Christian church, and then my next door neighbor was where the nuns live. So I basically got, I think, saved um, and, and spent a lot of time with nurses, uh, nuns. And then, they, you know, obviously they would bring me to church and I understood um, religion and spiritual and we'd pray together uh, before dinner, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so honest living on his upbringing in the city no hunting mm. we kind of explained that why, why did I join then is this part of Montreal I don't know if you ever heard of the Hells Angels you know, yeah. it's worldwide right? yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was especially big in, in the province of Quebec you know we could I know a lot about that stuff because I grew up in there is Montreal but, in the province of Quebec yes right okay yes. it's not the capital capital is Quebec City Montreal is the second biggest, you know, city. Actually, in size, it's bigger than Quebec, but it's not the capital. Um, so I grew up in a, in, in a neighborhood where the Hells Angels, a French-Canadian Hells Angels chapter, was kind of their hood, you know, it's the place that they are. And they're actually like Robin Hoods because they need to recruit from the street. Uh, you know Robin Hood, right? Like, takes from the rich, gives to the poor. That's not what they were doing, but they were really nice to the poor community throwing barbecues in the summer. So you grow up thinking they're heroes. You so know? you, so would you go, you and your family would go to these barbecues? Uh, me, as a kid, with so my what, friends. So what were they like? What, what would... <sighs> you know, when, we, when you grow up and you don't have, um, how do you say, idols or, or you know, you, you just live in a uh, run-down neighborhood and there's a lot of crime, prostitution, drugs... And then you see these guys that have cool motorcycles, they're jack on steroids, like that, that becomes automatically like, oh, I want to be like that guy. Oh, these guys are cool. Plus, they're throwing barbecues in the summer in the park, and I can get a free hot dog, and there's music, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm talking young, I'm talking like, because when you live in a place like that, the, 
your dad's away a lot. He can't really be a father. And he's a, I had a great father, but he's away. And, and then your mom's not doing well. And then you're just in the street all day. You know, at six, seven year old, at, the park is three, four blocks down. I just spend the whole day. And it's the old, you know, 80s, 90s, right? Like, go out when and it was come, okay. yeah, come when, home yeah, when yeah, it yeah. starts getting dark, right? Yeah. I lived it at an extreme level. I was on the street with my friends, becoming street smart and, and, and making sure, you know, that I, that I go back home. I saw a lot of stuff. Um, but anyway, going back to the Hell Angels, now they're your heroes, and, and you kind of aspire to be like them, right? And uh, they, they, were honest, <coughs> they were honestly really good, really nice. You're a young boy. I'm saying, like, from 6 to 10-year-old, let's say, you know? And then they're just, because they, they're crime, right? So they, they see that you'll be a teenager someday. And yeah, I don't think it's that overt, though, is it? It's, it's like uh, when I grew up, uh, I just think when you're talking about it, it's not, I don't mean overt, it's, it's not that sinister. It's like, so the, the church or, or religion mm -hmm. does a similar thing. Yeah. Um, not that I'm saying church is I understand criminal, what you're right? saying. So in one of the places where I lived when I was an adult, one of the places, where, so I grew up Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. going to church, my mother used to make us go all the time. Like, at one point we're going every Sunday and then, anyway, so I brought up religion. And uh, then when I was an adult, when I was married, there was, I remember on the estate that we were living in, not estate, like council, on the housing estate that we lived on, um, the local church, the, the vicar, through or whoever he was in the church, he did a, like, basically, like you were mm -hmm. describing there, a barbecue mm -hmm. just for the community. Mm -hmm. Anyone could go. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter your creed, your skin colour, your age, your whatever. You could go and, and it was just cool. And it was, mm -hmm. it's such a nice thing. But I, I don't think that's done like with the active intention of we need to recruit. Mm -hmm. I think it's like it's with the Hells Angels what as well. It's like there is a rule here. Mm -hmm. We we do good. We do good for the community where we can. Like we'll guarantee be one of the Hells Angels things as you experienced. Same with the church. We do good. We are here for, as generally as a force for good. Blah 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 blah. But I think that kind of those actions have been set in stone way back when when they realised mm -hmm. you know these are like this is how we need to get people on board. I mean we recruit people, and it, they're just two examples of two organisations. How many other organisations do it? And it is the definitely government do it. Does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And regardless of how it came about. Definitely not a bad thing. Definitely mm -hmm. not a bad. I mean, was that a bad thing? You going to, uh, being around the Hell's Angels at that time? It sounds would, to me like a right cool as thing. As a six-year-old, seven-year-old, with my friends, we'd eat as many odd dogs as we can. Were you trying to push drugs on you? No, no, no. That's well, that's what I mean. I've never saw exactly. any. You know, these guys were were super superheroes to us, and and I'm hungry. I haven't fed myself because I, I would have to cook for myself at like six, seven year old. I remember my, early, oh, mem yeah. my early memories is, is, you know, my, my mom sleeping all day and I have to feed myself. Way better in the summer to, well, the, you know, my, my friend would show up. Hey, oh. the hell's, you know, call them the hell's, <laughs> the hell's at the, at the park. And then we stuff her face with, you know, yeah. all, all we can eat. And yeah, yeah, you look. So that you understand why it kind of, there was a, a separation there is at some point my dad got a, a better job in the movie industry, you know, and, and so we managed to move away. So my entire childhood was not really poor. We moved 
on the North Shore. You know, it's an island. We, we moved on the North Shore when I was about 15 year old. So that, that I, we upgraded, you know, we went in, in, in a better neighborhood, better school. So my poor time frame of my life stops at around, look, it's a long time ago, 14, 15 year old. That, that probably saved me because that's, that's the age that then they would be like, hey, do you want to make a little bit extra cash? Of course, it's a, it's a crime organization. So, but, but I was there in the time frame that they're putting the seed mm-hmm. in, in your brain that, hey, we're a good organization. You need a family. You need a brotherhood, you know? I was craving that uh, at a young age. Therefore, I ended up in the military. But... Uh, yeah, we, we managed to move. My dad's a smart man, so he, he worked hard, hard, hard to, to manage to network his way into a good-paying job. And then we moved out, better neighborhood, better school. And um, then I took a different path, right? The, the, the nuns I was talking about, they were smart also. You know, I think the youngest one must have been in her early 50s or whatever, you know, old, old nuns. And, and throughout this time frame, I'm telling you that I'm living basically on the streets almost, except my bed is, is in the flat. They, they would come to the park and, and, and try to usher us out of there. You see, you see the dynamics the there? Yeah, the nuns, because it's, it's right in the neighborhood, right? Everything's close. And they, they know that these guys are they're criminals, got all these kids at the park. They know what they're up to, and they try to bring you to the light, to, to the church, and then... They would, you know, the in Canada and most church here probably has a basement, big open basement. So they would have hockey, floor hockey in there to trying to, okay, you ate now? Let's go to the church basement, play sports and stuff. So it was always, you mm-hmm. don't see that as a kid. I know now because I'm an adult. They were really trying to get us out of the hands of the devil to, to bring us to the light. You see the dynamic there? Mm-hmm. But then, like I said, 14, 15-year-old, I was a pretty normal kid. My, my my dad was making good money, and it was a total flip. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, I didn't go this. Uh, I didn't think this podcast would go there. That's but you took it, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I did. Huh? <laughs> Straight into it. No, it's it's interesting. A, it's interesting. I got on diagnosed. I know I have TBI. It's not diagnosed. I'm not looking for diagnosis, but. Uh, my brain goes everywhere all the time. My, my wife tells me, like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, but it's interesting hearing other pe- how other people grew up. You know, we have this, uh, it's, I think, um, even for us, right, we're quite well tra- well travelled, you know what I mean? And I think even for us, it, 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 we'll never have a grasp on how different some partner oh, ones yeah. are. I love hearing stories. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. then you contrast that with somebody like Middle Eastern countries you've been to, you know, the, the African countries you've been to and see how they grew up. It's like there's a lot to you talking there about the 80s and 90s and growing up and you go out and you come back when it's getting dark and your parents didn't give a fuck. No, and there's no cell like, phones. Oh, no cell yeah. phones. Yeah. And, I, and I grew up on a farm mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. So if I like fell off some fucking massive... Like, uh, yeah, I know, like yeah. drop me, which nearly happened a couple of times, or you know, I managed to shoot myself or whatever in the eye with my, my pellet gun at the time, right? You know what I mean? No one would have known about it. My parents wouldn't have known about it because they wouldn't be, they wouldn't start worrying until oh, it's getting dark. Where's Where's Hugh? Mm-hmm. But it was just normal. There's, there's a lot to be said about how that develops you as a human being, the resilience that gives you in growing up in that way. Because it wasn't just like you in Montreal, me and the farm in, in like South Wales. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much every kid. 
you finish school, you'd go out and play. But may, well, I say that maybe every kid, from the lower class perspective, anyway, the working class perspective, anyway, you know, that, like mm-hmm. that we grew up in. Um, and so I can't speak for like middle class, upper class, probably very different for them. But it does develop you in a very different way yeah. in terms of resilience. Like the way I, the, the way things are now, cell phones and inf- the information age, information technology and everything else, I don't know, it seems like we're just a lot more worried about things than we used to be. Maybe unnecessarily so. But I was, I was, do you know what? Who mentioned? Oh, you mentioned paedophiles on the uh, mm-hmm. on the icebreaker. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do not, I do not like that. But you know what? I was thinking. I was thinking about this the other day. So, um, I, and I was thinking about. I was reading about narcissism, and one of the things I thought is around, like for example, paedophilia. And the question always comes around is: Is there more of it now than there was mm-hmm. historically? And 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 I used to say, no. We just we just more aware of it because of. Yeah the way we access to information, right? But I think that's not the case. I now think there is actually more of it. Oh, you think? Same with narcissism. So on the narcissism side, right? And the reason being is it's really interesting. Where the hell did I read this? Where the hell did I read this? I'll have to look it up. Anyway, so basically, back in the day, before... Before big cities, big townships, before the, the information age, even even not so long ago as like the 70s and 80s, right? Just just a little bit pre-internet, but certainly like 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. If you, were, if you had something significantly bad about your character, significantly wrong about you, um, for example, paedophile, for example, narcissist, anything that is bad to be around, you basically were much less likely, your genes are much less likely to survive. Let's say you're in a tribe, let's say you're in a little village in the middle of nowhere, where, again, migration to different areas is much less because the the ability to, so what you call it, travel uh, technology, travel Mm. technology, planes, cars, none of that have been invented, right? So if you're a complete prick, right, or a horrible bastard, it was highly unlikely you'd be able to breed and your genes wouldn't last. Mm-hmm. So they just started dying out. Like less likely you would, it would prevent, get, right? You know, if Literally. you go far back, you'd get killed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These days, right? This is, I was specifically reading around narcissism, right? And these days, it is much more likely that you can get away with being a narcissist. So let's say I do something real bad, you outcast me and all my friend group and everyone let's say, in my circle who knows me, completely outcast me. Mm-hmm. If it's that bad, I can up sticks and I can move yeah. to a different part of the UK or I can move to a different part of the world where no one fucking knows mm-hmm. me. No one knows me. Mm-hmm. No one knows that background. And I can start Style. to live the lie again, yeah. start to live and get away with it. And I think the same is happening with paedophilia. I think the same is happening with paedophilia. There can be paedophiles in whatever other part of the world, mm-hmm get caught or nearly get caught or are about to be arrested, whatever, they just move to a different part of the world where no one fucking knows. Yeah. And so I think it is a case. You learn from your mistakes, you get exactly. better at it. So I think it is a case, it has increased. Mm-hmm. As, how much, I don't know. But it has to be the same as that, that example from narcissism. You can get away with being a bastard more. So mm-hmm. bastards are pervaded more. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in terms of the prevalence of like diseases, be it, they're not going away, diseases. And I think part of that is because Unhealthy living is more accepted now than it was. Way more. Way more accepted. Unhealthy, and I mean, you know, from, from things like diet, to diet nutrition to, you know, inactive lifestyle, sedentary, sedentary things, the, you know, the, 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 
the need to work much, much, much more for much less money now than it used to be back in the day. Yeah. You know, um, so and we you don't just have to walk anywhere if you don't want to anymore. Think about it. If you decide that I'm not walking more than a hundred feet today, it's possible. You got these electric scooter to get you to your corner to, to get an Uber. Oh, Look. walk anymore. Walk. Yeah, I thought you said work. Yeah, I can't uh, walk. Yeah. Yeah. No, you do have to work. Uh, well, no, you don't, mate. Bit. No, you don't. It goes back into the conversation about uh, yeah. counts, uh, like uh, well, then there's self esteem and yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I was saying walk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing with state yeah. welfare, right? Yeah. It's like, I see a need for state welfare, but I think certainly in the UK, we've got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Or it's not, it's far from perfect. And one of the, I mean, one of the, so one example, not example, one one aspect of that is, like you said, it's such a complicated system of you, the state welfare system, like overly complicated, I think, that it's really easy for people to find loopholes and exploit it. Mm-hmm. There's, so there's a, there's a, an example, there's a, place near where I live, a place, a house near where I live, it is, it's a council property, so the tenants there, I really got it super cheap, right, or not paying at all because it's been subsidised by other welfare things, fine, there's a Nissan GTR parked on the drive, mm-hmm. a, a Nissan GTR mm-hmm. parked on the drive, mm-hmm. it's not uncommon, you'll mm-hmm. see real spanking new cars mm-hmm. parked on the drives, these places where you know mm-hmm. they are houses which are state welfare provided, mm-hmm. they're bluffing, they're bluffing. I connect with you there. Where yeah. I live, there's about a thousand flats, and, and yeah. half of it is guys yeah. like me paying for you know heavy rent, uh, and, and then half of it is is a console, yeah. and then there's Mercedes's and their BMWs, right? Yeah. And then on the other end, so that's mm-hmm. like that's people taking advantage of it who shouldn't be doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are on state welfare. They want to get off state welfare. They don't want to be on it. They want to get off it, but there, there is a problem. I've seen this several times about right? this, this, this uh, scenario. And people listening to this may be thinking, "Yeah, I know, I know that's the case." People listen to this, to this. Someone may be on state welfare. I don't know. And they may be in, in a situation where you want to get off state welfare, but the pay you need to reach, the, the salary you need to reach, which will pay enough mm-hmm. to match what you are getting subsidised mm-hmm. by the by the council, local council, and be able to provide your own. Uh, money for the home the gap's too far you cannot get out of the state welfare system because by getting a full-time job for example unless it pays crazy money right compared to what you what you you're you're able to earn based on qualifications experience you're going to lose out so you get off the state benefit system you go on to you get a full-time job you are you are you've lost money. Much, you yeah. all of a sudden can't Probably afford. Lose all the benefits. Yeah, it's too. fucking crazy. The benefits, right? That and, the that, state gives and in that situation, it's and I know people in that situation, and it's not good. They want to be off it. They cannot get off it because it doesn't make financial sense. Mm-hmm. And you can't. You know, how do you get out of that situation? It's almost a similar situation to, um, a similar no, yeah, a similar motivation. No, 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 wrong. A similar situation to that other end of the spectrum where the people are exploiting the system. They're exploiting the system because it makes financial sense. But they are uh, they are taking advantage of complex rules, mm-hmm. yeah, and knowing they're not going to get caught. Whereas on the top end, where people want to get off the system, but they can't, they're just like fucking hell. Yeah, man. But it's like the, the, the reasons uh, th- that those two situations exist are the same, mm-hmm. overly complex, and the system is fucked. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. You know. Um, 
and, I, I, and, I, I, it, and it, it burns down the generations right you get mm. whole generations of families mm. they grow up the parents have never worked so they're like I'm never going to work yeah. and it's just oh, you, they're going to have kids because they get more money if they have mm. kids and then they get more money if they're single or they appear to be single yeah, yeah. and then there's a lot of that yeah yeah it's it's almost like um, again it's that, it's that thing of wrong attitudes and things being able, being able to pervade mm. and the, I think here in the UK the bad welfare state system that we have is allowing that to happen it's not good it's not good you know what i mean fact of the matter is i think people are happier if they are working and sustaining themselves they will sustain themselves rather than have to rely on someone else bringing you this podcast today are the aardvark group founded in 1982 aardvark has established itself as a major player in its field renowned for its exceptional technology and innovative propositions have supported countless defense ministries the humanitarian and ngo sectors and commercial operators in theaters of war and post-conflict environments around the world aardvark is foremost a humanitarian organization working to help rid the world of the explosive remnants of war their technologies are uniquely developed by operators for operators, which ensures that every product, system, or platform that they provide conforms to the essential criteria of st stability, survivability, and reliability. Aardvark know that to have a truly lasting, positive impact, their technologies must be cost-effective. So they've commissioned a number of projects with their research partners to develop technical innovations with the core aim of delivering affordable solutions that can be deployed directly into communities to reduce the incidence of accidents and deaths due to explosive threats. Aardvark are headquartered in the UK with offices in the United States of America and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You can find out more about them by going to aardvark.group, not just about the products and services they provide, but also about the incredible work they do to support the military community and military charities. Go to their website, aardvark.group, or find them on social media, the Aardvark Group. Of course. You know what I mean? I, I, of course I know what you mean. Mm. You know, I could not imagine myself relying on, on whoever, you know, to, to, to sustain myself. I, 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 my life would be probably easier you know i can do whatever i want money's coming in no no you, you see what i mean but 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 then i go to bed at night and do i feel fulfilled do i feel like you know i'm conservative i'm conservative and, and under my belief it's mine is that a man is a provider a protector a provider i would go to bed every night feeling unfulfilled i'd be like i'm a loser my, my mental state would go right down because, like, I don't understand it. You know, the single mom that's she made bad choices and she's got two kids, two different dads, and she's struggling. That's what the state is there for. A man, and it's my belief, a man stand up for himself, finds work, works 16 hours a day, three different jobs is what he needs to do. And that I've learned from my dad. My dad did it. And, and I'm so proud that he passed that down to me. And I will never need anyone to 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 help me out and, and taking care of my family. I'll flip burgers at McDonald's, you know. And and I did. I divorced years ago, and I was I was enabled because you know military guys we don't make that much money. I fucking delivered pizza 
as a deck commander in special operations. I, I was finishing my 12-hour shift, you know, day, day at the unit, and because I was so tight, you know, we won't go into all the details, but I was so tight, I was delivering fucking pizzas for Domino's. I was Chinese. I was delivering Chinese meals, man. Yeah. Because a fucking in, man yeah, needs Chinese. to do what he needs to do to, yeah. to provide for his, his daughter that yeah. he doesn't live with anymore. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. And, and you, you want a funny story, you know? It's a small town. Like, our unit is, is not in a big city. They, they, you know, they try to put it somewhere that's less eyes on it and stuff. So it's a small town of Petawan, Ontario. It's, it's like 20,000 people. It's small. So I start this. I don't, I don't tell the unit that, you know, I'm struggling because then they might put me on a list that I'm not deployable or whatever. So you hide injuries. You hide everything. Right? <clears throat> and and I, I got my little domino shirt. And my hat, and I'm starting, and they're teaching, <laughs> they're teaching me what to do, and you know, and uh, how many times you think I, tung tung tung, you know, delivering the fresh pizza to, to fuck my commanding officer, <laughs> some, you know, yeah. the, the intelligence officer, and they open the door, they think it's a joke. They got one of their prime fucking deck commander there delivering two large pizzas, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, hey boss. You got to pay the bills, man. And, and, and it became kind of also like a running gag, you know, but Bush delivering pizzas for Domino's and I own it. I'm like, guys, fucking have to do what I have to do. Right. And then and, and funny enough, didn't take too long that other guys were coming to me. And, hey, Butch, can you get me in there? I need a bit of extra money. <laughs> I won't say names, obviously, but there's a few guys that like, I'll do that. You know, you know, all div- divorces high in the military right especially special operations so these guys had bills to pay too child support and, and it becomes so you know i'm a leader <laughs> i was the first one in there and then there's some guys that were like yeah i made fun of you but does it pay good how much does it pay good? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with those jobs isn't it? you can fit them around like your day job it's just like night mm-hmm. evening time like the chinese is to finish work and then uh, if i was in the uk finish work and then I didn't do it for a long time. I did it for a no, f- fair few months though. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then got to go and deliver. It only, ha- it only happened once where I delivered to someone who knew me. Mm-hmm. I was in Colchester. Yeah. And he was out. He's next. He's ex Tupac, an ex Legionnaire as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he looked at me like cock. We didn't know each other. We looked at me cock eyes and like, you three power, you here, aren't you? I was like, fuck. 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 I didn't want people to find it, out. It's the me. first few times after that yeah. I, I joke about it. And, and since, first of all, I'm happy to meet a fellow uh, delivery. <laughs> but but uh, I like funny stories. And, and um, I didn't that long too, maybe a year. Oh, yeah. But if that, that yeah. if that. Just, just to get me back on top. And uh, But the thing is, and back then I was... What were you driving? A big, you know, Canada. A big, expensive um, <laughs> a pickup people, truck. I was a people carrier, yeah. yeah, yeah. People carrier. Look, it, it made good money with tip. <laughs> tip was how you make money. Um, but, but my funny story there is is I, I was in my early 30s, you know, detachment commander, uh, quite a bit of experience now in the military. So, so you know, high-level stuff and planning <laughs> and whatever, tactical decisions. Do you think I'm... In, do you think I'm um, what do I say? Uh, you know, the new guy at Domino's. It's all kids, right? It, it's a starting job. My, my my boss, my manager is like 17-year-old. It's a bunch of teenagers. I had a great time in there because I was running the place if I was on shift. 
or clients that are difficult, you know, because you can take out clients that are difficult. You think I'm going to be like, oh, yes, yes, ma'am, yes, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you're not happy. Go, go to fucking Pizza Hut. Like, you know, and these kids, <laughs> they were, God bless them. And these kids were like, I can't believe you just said that to that person. I'm like, because if I get fired, then whatever. You know, yeah. I'm a government employee. Like, I got a job. It's just I'm doing that for extra yeah. cash. I had a great time with these kids. And, and then uh, over the year that I was there, it became, like, it's funny. I became kind of like their, their, what do you call it, like big brother. You know, I, I've, I've listened to them. Like, oh, I got this problem, this bully at school. Like, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, stand up for yourself. Like the, the other young man, you know. I'm like, no, no, don't, don't. I'm not saying... I didn't tell them I'd go punch him in the face, I, but I felt like it was a big brother. Look, man, if, if, if you let him, you know, pick on you once, he's going to do it twice and three times. You just have to stop. I remember that that one kid, uh, we were washing dishes at the back, you know, and I'm like, man, you stand up for yourself, buddy. And then he came back, uh, you know, another shift I was with him, and he's like, hey, Butch, it worked. You know, thank you. So I, I did some good in there at Domino's Pizza. And, and, and to date, it's my favorite pizza. Do you know, I've just realised he's left the covers on these fucking microphones. Can you hear yourself now? Pull that, pull that cover off. Let's see that. Let's see that change. Pull it off. Talk to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is definitely. So, but it, sorry, people. I don't if see if the audio's just changed, it's because we had the covers were on the microphones. Didn't realise they were put on. Yeah, they've been they've been put on by bags to keep because he's yeah, yeah. not here, is he? Oh my god! That I has don't definitely changed the audio there. Really? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. Anyway, right, so if the audio's have changed, it's got clearer. It's because we've taken the muffles off the microphones. The muffles off the microphones. Do you know what the good thing is at the minute? Is there is, uh, even more so now back in the back in the day, mm -hmm. so much different ways you can earn money at different times. Yeah, yeah. Or just fit it in around you. Again, age information, in mm -hmm. information technology, internet and all that. So many different ways. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, I do, I mean, going back to what you're saying, like, you believe that man should be the breadwinner and... and <sighs> I think, yeah, I think the man should be, and not should be, the man naturally is the default to be the breadwinner, only because the man can be more available most of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, talking in a, in a, I'm talking in a scenario where you're family with young children or child. Yeah. Right? For all sorts of reasons I've discussed previously in the podcast. But it doesn't, I, don't th I don't think that that means that a woman should automatically no, 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 be no. defaulted to stay at home. Not yeah, the case. But I think this naturally the, the man's yes, gonna be a default because but for a bunch a bunch of different reasons, right? A bunch of different reasons for I'm not gonna go in, I'm not going into like I mean, you know, the reality is in a in a family family situation, the man is more employable. Yeah, it's just like that. The man is more employable yeah. because woman, mother instincts, young children, you know, things like I've mentioned before breastfeeding, mother's got a natural parenting instinct, all these historical things. Mm -hmm. But again, what I like about today is this is a good thing that's come about off, off a lot of the, pro, the, the progressive like shift over the last years. In a lot of scenarios, I think is way, way, way counterproductive, over-the-top counterproductive. But I do like a lot that definitely it is a more welcoming world certainly in the western world that we're living in for women who want to drive forward and have a career yeah. or have a working life like men do i think most maybe not maybe may not want that but if they do it's there for it's them. fine yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I don't definitely. Want people that, that thing i was saying 
the woman stays home and yeah. cooks and cleans and raises children and then the man is the provider. What I was saying is it's in our nature. Yeah. yeah a yeah, strong yeah. couple that both have successful career, wow, you know, and, and they can make it work with the kids. It's perfection. But but think about think about myself, how I would feel if if, if <coughs> me. my my woman has the big career and is the main provider and I'm sitting on my couch tumbling my thumbs playing video games I would go to bed feeling like what's the word emasculated you know like so yes of course all the best a woman have a great career it's a strong couple if they're both you know successful in their career of course but the man for sure he doesn't need to make more money or, or provide more than his woman why is that? To why? Why? No, I'm saying he doesn't need to. Oh, but as long oh, as long right. as he oh. feels fulfilled in what what I thought you said, he did need to. No, right? he, he, I don't know he does need to provide and, and and have this basic instinct of the man that's providing something. I'm not saying he needs to be above and, but I, I think that it's it's in our genes to it's natural provide yeah. natural. Yeah, thank you. Um, I yeah. think that divide will get it'll get less. But I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think it'll ever go away. Like, it would only go away if men all of a sudden were able to have babies, right? Yeah. Which they're trying. I mean, they're deadly I serious, they're right? trying at the moment. Or, <laughs> yeah, or, or if, um, yeah, that's the only way I could mm-hmm. see it. Or all of a sudden. But, okay, let me stop you there, my friend. Don't, don't, no, don't, it's a great discussion. Don't you see it nowadays a little bit though that there's men that are happy to just do nothing? It'll always be the case though. Ah, okay, maybe because of media and stuff, it was less you know advertised before. No, but I, sorry, I think that, I think that's always been the case though. You go back to the discussion we just having, right? Mm-hmm. You couldn't be either. So if you were, f- it's the same for female, right? If you were a woman back in the day and you. Didn't want to have kids. When I say back in the day, we're talking thousands of years mm-hmm, ago, mm-hmm. or even maybe hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. If you didn't want to have children, yeah, or you were unhealthy, yeah, um, or perceived to be unhealthy, then you were. It's highly likely you weren't ever going to breed because mm-hmm. that's what men wanted. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, right, if you were a man who was not energetic, or who was uh, say not energetic, who was not able to work, who was not able to hunt and forage, who was, or who was unhealthy, mm-hmm. it was highly likely mm-hmm. you were not going to breed because yeah, it's not what was attractive what, because yeah. it was not good for evolution, yeah. which is where we are now, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. so back to the subject of like more men who are not like traditional men is what mm-hmm. you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's because it's, it's easier to live now than it was. I get state welfare being one example more access to you know more access to food resources shelter than they, than they used to be easier access to it right cheaper in some regards right um less effort needed to get your food for example you don't have to go and hunt hunting bears and no, not bears you don't have to go hunting for chickens and meat and and and, and foraging uh, not foraging farming crops and all that you can just go and buy it off the shelf and tuppence right so i think you can get away with being lazier Oh, or being less active, yeah, wrong, less, being less active. Less yeah. active. But that means is that mean, that does mean though, that for people who are who are in the, especially for men who are more traditionally minded, 
in terms of or, or more driven mm-hmm. instead of that like get up and go about them it, it does mean they're much more likely to have a more prosperous life than what the yeah. the lower activity counterparts yeah. are yeah. i think yeah, yeah you know cur- currently i work with a lot of work for uh, a lot of wealthy men or, or women uh millionaires billionaires and and it it this new, you know, new career of mine for the last uh, almost five years, it opened my mind a lot on, on <clears throat> how can I explain that? You know, but before I was, uh, I was privy to this world of, of the rich and wealthy. Maybe I had a bit of misconception, you know, I, because I was, I've never experienced it, I, I would be like, oh, trust fund millionaires and once, you know, once the, grandfather makes millions then the rest of the the, the lineage is, is rich and trust funds right there is that but I also and, and maybe it's it's just luck but most people I met at the moment they work hard for that money even even if they made it well probably because it's never enough they need to make more but I'm watching men and women just on the phone business all day up early they, they, they work, and that's why they're successful. I will never, you know, uh, until you prove me otherwise that all the money you got is, is given to you by family, whatever, I will not make that judgment again because uh, I can see how much work it is to, to be that successful. Yeah, I mean, that depends. And yeah. again, yeah. maybe it, uh, it's pretty recent, right? The, the last five years. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm lucky that I didn't get to see one of those. Uh, everything got spoon-fed all my life. The ones that I saw so far, I can see the amount of work that needs to be done. That's, that's what I'm saying. Um, mm. No, I know what you mean. Your yeah, entrepreneurialism yeah, and graft. And I, mean, yeah. I mean, even with the fact... You're right. I mean, it, obviously, it does exist. I mean, It does, you it see, does for sure. My first experience with it, of it was, was in, in the military. And you meet certain, certain units, certain regiments... And, and um, you meet certain characters, and they're literally born into. This is just, I'm just explaining my first experience of it, which happened to me in the military, by before any mm-hmm. guards people mm-hmm. kick off. Uh, um, and there was at least one or two that I met, and they were born into. They were born into a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, but it's still. There's, there's still a graph there in terms of maintaining it, but much less so. Oh, I, much less, yeah. Like on, the entrepreneurs, 100%. Yeah. Fucking yeah. graph. It, it's, it's not blue-collar work, right? The work I'm talking about is it's high stress, but no physical work. But it, I'm privy to, to conversation or, or deals that are multi-million, and, and this, that comes with stress. Well, which is an easier stress. life, do you reckon? Uh, being So Elon Musk, Elon yeah, Musk's yeah, position, yeah. or Elon Musk... 15 years ago. Let's mm-hmm. say Elon Musk 15 years mm-hmm. ago, right? Uh, his life is more stressful or less stressful than the life of uh, SF operator like yourself? Um, great question. I think On average, the, across like the five yeah. years in the same time period. I'll answer this question <laughs> with, with my really personal opinion. I would take, from what I'm privy to so far, I would take the gunfights and the, the risk to life <laughs> I was in, blue blue collar kind of simple, you know, one or zero, then the stress that these guys are under. Mm. Some, from what I saw, again, it, the stress level is, is, you know, it's not the same, right? It's not risk to life. 
but but it's risk to go from hero to zero like this. Well, and in the way that is, I think my life, yeah, I, I think that's quality before. of life. I have yeah, no yeah. will to to have to deal with other people's money or or your own millions and making calls that either you go left, you just triple your money, or you go right and it's all gone. Yeah, I take my life before that. I can see the appeal of it, though. I can see the appeal of it. It's like I, I can imagine. I've run a couple of companies and be part of the running of a couple of companies in the past, and I, you know, another none of them were a success in terms of well, none of them were a success. And success to me of a company is gets to a point, grows, and someone either wants to buy it, and you and that's your out. Or you are running it and you're making more money than you ever needed, and you know it's yeah. it's 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 growth. It's not dying, right? None of the companies I've run in the past were a success, any stretch of the imagination. But I can see that if I got to the point where one of them was successful and maybe all that money and and, and and I got bought out, for example, and I'm sitting on X amount of pounds money, and maybe I don't need to work ever again, I would not be thinking I'm never going to work ever again. I'd be thinking, let's go again. Yeah. How can I do this again? Where do I put money? Feeling. Let's get on board and give me give myself all that stress again because I want to challenge because I want to challenge myself and make people because the whole company when a company goes that way everyone gets everyone gets everyone gets something from it money or satisfaction or ex, like invaluable experience whatever like everyone mm-hmm. prospers right mm-hmm. and let's go again and do it again mm-hmm. but same time inviting all that stress again yeah. it's the same kind of thing with like the operational tempo right yeah. you go out you get smashed i say you get smashed you go out you end up in a smash up you nearly get fucking killed but you don't get killed you end up winning that battle and you think let's go again yeah. you get back in you reset let's go again mm-hmm. let's go again mm-hmm. let's go again you want it you want it you want it mm-hmm. for the same reasons like mm-hmm. challenge succeed go again yeah or stress, challenge, yeah. succeed, yeah. grow, experience, improve your skill set, mm-hmm. learn something from it, yeah. reset, go again, yeah. go again. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes what you get. It's what you get used to, isn't it? Yeah. It's why people want to... You're comfortable in what you know. Right? Yeah. So um, I, I'm in the middle of it right now. I have so much in the last... We would have done this podcast nine months ago. I, I wouldn't have the understanding that I have now about... The newfound respect for entrepreneurship. The so, is this the first company you've started? Yeah, ever. With no training. <laughs> the way uh, you do it, mate. It's the way you do it. Yeah. Remember, I, in the intro, I said I, I'm not a big reader, so I didn't read business books. Yeah. I am learning as I go, and it's take take my two decade of, of army career aside. Like, this is the biggest challenge in my life. Uh, it's not nuts and bolts shoot move communicate you know you get comfortable at that you get better you do errors you fix it now now i'm in a totally new environment an environment that i'm uh, no experience in and and it's the most difficult thing i've done in my life i'm enjoying it because i love challenges but wow on my respect i was um, i was texting a friend not long ago that is a small business which that person grew it you know, it's ten year old, I think, and and it started really small, and then it's getting bigger and stuff. And I I just text say, hey, I have a newfound respect for you. I, you have no idea, you know, what, what you built, and it's a small business in that town I'm talking about, a small town. But but it, pay, it pays uh, her bills, and and she's doing great, and it's a small niche business. That person is 
is an entrepreneur already, where, where I want to be in 10 years. And I just said, hey, you know, say I, her husband was serving with me. I'm like, say I did her husband, and then, but I want to tell you, like, good for you, because I'm living it right now, and it's not mm. easy. And, uh, yeah, so my, my newfound, mm. any entrepreneur out there, like, keep going. And it's great, because I'm at the start of it, and the amount of work that needs to go in there and, and the networking and getting your name out there, it's not, it's, it's impossible. Minus, minus if maybe if you buy a franchise of something, then it's all done for you. You pay the cash and then they train you and whatever. But somebody that starts something from an idea or right at the bottom that no one knows you exist, wow, and I'm enjoying it, but wow. There's no paycheck. When you mm. and you're your own boss, right? There's no paycheck coming in. Oh, I'll get paid at the end of the month. If you don't make it happen, it's not happening. It's beautiful to me. I'm enjoying this. Do you know what's underrated? Just thinking about it. Do you know what's underrated? People who all of those like independent contractors, self self employed guys and girls, uh, mostly guys, in like for example the construction industry, and they got just self employed. They're yeah. own, they're a one man band. Yeah. And, and that is a month to month job, day to day, job to job. Yeah. They haven't got a salary. Mm-hmm. They haven't got some pension plan. Yeah. They haven't got like health, uh, like some health health yeah. plan they provided. Yeah. They're literally going from job to job, mm-hmm. to job yeah. to job. And they do that just normal. Like they don't even, they don't even put, they don't, I don't know. It's like a cultural thing, isn't it? You don't need to put, they don't need to put the, like the stress tag on it. That's what they do. Yeah. That's the industry. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. Like I, I would find that really hard. Yeah. I did some jo- like the worst job, the, the job I found the hardest, the most degrading in a way was, uh, it was it's sales basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Business to business sales. Yeah. And it was, only commission based there was no salary there was nothing yeah. and it was door to door to door mm-hmm. and you'd have to the the target was to trying to hit a hundred and pitch to verbally pitch to in person it's not on the phone i think it was i think the target was 150 100 150 businesses a day <sighs> a day yeah, in the door pitch this is like cold calling going into an estate agent for example going into a fucking cafe in some cases, going to a museum, mm-hmm. in, pitch, out, in, yeah. pitch, out. And you'd have to try and hit. Damn. It was 100, 150, maybe even your 200 businesses. Fried. Your brain is fried. And then, oh, fried, mate. Fried. And you're going in, right, and you're trying to deliver this pitch in the same, like, tempo and the same yeah. enthusiasm. When you do the first one in the oh morning, my God. 150 yeah. at the end of the and day. And all you're aiming for yeah. is to get four or five or six sales mm-hmm. on average mm-hmm. a day, right? Now, the reason I say it was so degraded you work out the rejection rate on that. Let's say it's just 100 businesses I was trying to hit. I can't, it was at yeah. least 100. Well, the rejection rate is like 95%. Let's say I only, get, I only want five to say yes. 95% rejection rate. And I was doing that at a point where I was really low in my, a really low point in my life. But also, like, my background, I've always been a high achiever. I've always done things at the, just, ha- just happens to be the case. Just because life circumstances, I'm not saying I'm fucking gifted in any way, any way, shape, or form. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time in the right industry, like in the, and in the military, and did things, and I just I did very well in a lot of the things I was doing. Go from that to 95% rejection yeah. rate. O- honestly, it was 
soul destroying soul destroying and, and I was like no can't like ever said, cannot ever ever found, do this again ever do this again I have a newfound understanding of what you're telling me because you again you would have told me that a, a year ago a few months ago I would have well, well. Uh, sales is not for me That's people I, are fucking great at it working so. for the government it's all I knew right I, mm. I joined at 17 and I retired at 36 37 I turned 40 this year yeah 35 anyway and that's all I knew is, you know, in Canada, you get paid twice a month, 15th and the, la- the last day of the month. What? Twice a month? Twice a month, 15th. Are you sure. in the military? Yeah, yeah, that's that's all the pay cycle is. You get paid is a it month, the same a in civil street? Huh? Is it the same in, in civilian jobs? No, no, it's all different in civilian jobs. I, I'm saying a, get a soldier get paid. It's everybody, every soldier from, from Why whatever. Why is that? It's just how the government pays. Uh, it's a monthly salary, obviously, but... It, they divide it in two. You get paid on the fifteenth and the last day of the month, either you know thirtieth or thirty first. Mm. Uh, that's all I knew, right? And then here you go, idiot. Turn you know at thirty nine year old, I decide, yeah, let's do this. No clue how I'm gonna do it, but I'm self employed now. Right? Well, how come you ended up joining up in the first place? Um, but if we go back to what we were talking earlier, um, grew up, uh, you know, not to talk about it again but eh, poor Hells Angels you know uh, and then moved out to, to a better place middle class kind of but you got to understand that during my upbringing young age right like uh, the, the ages I was talking about six seven school and bullies and, and non-bullies right that's, a, that's how we, we grew up the same way and I, I, I just always took the side of, of the oppressed. Um, and I was tall, you know, I was tall for my, like I've always been taller than everyone, but skinny, you know, and not, no, no martial art classes. I was just a street boy. So at least I knew how to defend myself because we'd get in fights and scraps. And, and I always, I, I got my ass handed to me many times because bullies usually, they're naturally stronger and whatever. That's why they're bullies, right, most of the time. And I was always standing. It, it just—it was in me. Right? Everybody, probably all in your podcast, most soldiers, like I knew at a young age. It's the same for me. I, I was always, hey, bullies, let's fucking go. And I would get my ass handed off to me. Like I wasn't—I <laughs> wasn't fucking Jason Bourne or nothing, man. But but I was standing up to bullies, and I carry that through. <coughs> uh, at seventeen, I joined because. You got to understand, I was still connected. Even though I moved out, my circle of friends, it wasn't that far, right? I, I was still with my childhood friends or the childhood friends that I had in that poor community. And and a lot of them ended up joining the dark side, you know? Jo- join, and I could see that at 16, 17, they're, they're doing, you know, stealing stereos and blah, 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 and selling a bit of drugs. And, and then I decided, I, t- I took a decision, like... I don't want to end up like that. I, I, maybe I moved out of it just enough to see the outside world and understand that, oh, okay, this is not normal, right? But then, and, and if you want a specific reason why I joined the military, my brother's 10 years older than me, and um, he's a firefighter. He's now, a, you know, he's got his own fire hall in, in Canada, fire brigade, you guys call it. He's a captain, he's 
well well established uh, fireman. But when he, he was just joining, he was doing his courses and stuff. Um, I'm like, okay, this is taken, like, because a, a brother doesn't always want to copy his older brother, right? So, so it was like, because I was interested in, in being a, in the fire brigade. But I'm like, okay, he, he did this. That kind of similar to what I feel. I want to save people and help and whatever. So, so then I'm like, okay, what else? Oh, a soldier. And then remember, I saw Saving Private Ryan and. And I was like, okay, I could do this. So that's how I took the decision is, you know, and I started <coughs> investigating and, and, you know, at a young age at 15, and oh, that's cool. And then I found out about, back then we had the Airborne Regiment. So, so there was like recruiting <coughs> videos on, uh, you know, the start of internet, but online there was recruiting videos of, the, of the, our Paris. I was like, oh, that's cool, you know. And, and then I walked in... Um, yeah, early seventeen-year-old took took the train to, to downtown Montreal, found a recruiting office, and walked in full of zits, skinny. I talked to the recruiter. I'm like, oh, I want to be in the army, and I want to be a para, you know. And he immediately is like, oh, this is for you, infantry, right? Because you join infantry and then you go to Paris. It's like, yeah, seventeen-year-old, no high school diploma yet. Yeah, you should look at this. What year was this? 2099 I started the process and 2000 I was enrolled oh same year yeah 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 yeah, yeah I remember that one yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah 2000 I was enrolled again 17 year old here it's probably the same you can join at 17 so before you're 18 but your parents need to sign right you can you can sign up at 15 oh no you can you can sign up at really? 15 I don't think you're allowed to start no you can sign up 90 days before your 16th birthday, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can't apply an ops until you're 18. Okay. But you can go to so Army Foundation College. consent and then... Yeah. Oh, that, wow. That, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 16. So how does that work? You, you go to... You go to... Uh, you go, you go, I think it's the same now. You go to Army Foundation College. Okay. So it's like for young joiners, basically. Ah, I see. We don't have that. So, so you, uh, you're fully... You're, you're just like an adult. So if your parents sign at 17, you, you just get in the machine like a... 18 year old um so i was in her, her initial course in saint-jean for for french speaking guys saint-jean le richelieu is the first course you do you know like all arms that your navy air force army they go do the basic course in saint-jean so i was there in 2000 at 17 year old and then the rest of history I, I loved it i thought it wasn't enough you know i watched uh, saving pride ryan and then all of them, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. After he told me, hey, this is for you, you know, French Canadian Infantry, it gives, I, let, I left home with the brochure and I, was, I read it about 30 times. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then um, I watched Full Metal Jacket after that. You remember the beginning of Full Metal Jacket, right? Like Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Hardcore in there, you know, their boot camp. So what, a ex- film. what a film. Yeah. What a film. What a film. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. That the drill instructor now was, was an actual drill instructor yeah, yeah. from and the then US this military. Guy in that shot show in Vegas. No way! No, he's famous, the drill right? instructor from yeah, gun, Gunnery Charge, uh, Gunnery Sergeant. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, he's famous. Yeah, he's at, I don't know about now, but back in two thousand, he did loads of films. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's, fa- he's a famous figure in the states, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I got an autograph from him and stuff. Yeah, he's a famous character, but uh, yeah, it was a fill-in that they got, so I thought it would be the same. 
And it's not the same, right? Well, so and I was like, oh, disappointed. I'm like, oh, that's not enough. I want to, you know. Well, training. Yeah, like the normal boot camp in Canada, it doesn't look at all like Marine Corps back in the, the 70s. What you know? was what did it look like? Yeah, but it's probably similar to here. Is is it's the initial course that all arms go into to, yeah. to learn the drill and all the dress and some discipline and uh, it was just it, they need to even though it's we're dinosaur you know right in the late nineties two thousand they were they were all I know now that it was almost it's a the machine was already in the process of inclusivity and less hard, you know, so. Oh, it wasn't like that for me. No, no. <laughs> you didn't like that, mate. Look, no. maybe because was I was. Fucking ex- horrendous. Maybe because I was expecting <laughs> Full Metal Jack. No, yeah, maybe. There's people that were crying. Don't get me wrong. Like, my my class, we, we were actually lucky because, because anyone that joined the military goes through it, Navy and Air Force and Army. Usually it's all mixed. You, you get a class of 30 and then you go through the eight weeks process or eight, nine week process. But because there was so many applications for infantry that they ended up putting all, we were a rare course of, of 30 candidates <coughs> that were all going to go infantry, right? So they, they actually decided to push it a bit more to get us ready for infantry school. Mm. So I did get it harder than probably the other platoons that were all mixed right but but even there i i didn't find it hard it's an eye-opener for a a young teenager to have to do your bed perfectly every day and they fucking smashed everything around but it was not at all what i expected from all the movies right that's a good thing yeah yeah uh one instructor that we had um, he was the only instructor because it's all mixed, right? I remember my detachment commander during the entire course was air defense, and you know he's an alcoholic. I could tell because I'm street smart, and he had big red nose, and he smelled like booze in the morning, and he he wasn't scary looking. And then that other detachment commander, and if he you'll never hear this, but Robert Ains was his name, and and he was a great. Um, he was a great uh, mentor at first because he was in that airborne regiment I was talking about. Uh, it, it was it, it was uh, disbanded by then, but he served in it. And I, immediately I'm like, I want to be like that guy. He's probably on the roids, but like huge mountain guy, fucking muscles. And he, he's the one that would put the boot to us. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other instructors, were, one was Navy, little fat, short. You know, I'm like... Phew. Don't look like it in the movies, you know. <laughs> it's an eye opener that it's an eye opener for a young kid to see that because I've never been around soldiers before them. So I'm like, there's fat people in the military. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah, didn't know that. Clear. As a kid, right? Yeah. You're like so naive. You yeah. think about how little you know when you make the decision to join up. Some of that. Yeah. I remember when I we were on our first we were on our first exercise in the inverted commas. It was like basically our first night like in the field. Yeah. And I distinctly remember asking the section commander, the, the instructor, if we were going to be having a fire. Because I, I got brought on a farm, go camping, mm-hmm. have a fire. I, like, I was so, because I, I hadn't sort of, it wasn't something I always wanted to do, mm-hmm. military. It just mm-hmm. it only popped into my head in the last mm-hmm. sort of year, year, in the year or two before I, mm-hmm. before I actually joined, excuse me, before I actually joined, because of, mainly because of lack of other, other mm-hmm. options and some other, 
like personal things I knew I know I was a fucking weed I wasn't happy with myself um, yeah are we gonna have a fire and he just looked at me didn't even answer thinking what the fuck are you on about a fire yeah uh, very tactical I want to say something too because it connects to what you said that oh I got the boot at my boot camp and I, I, I did but not that much is f- from my experience now you know I, I think I'm a pretty experienced warrior British forces or the British warrior culture you guys have a strong it's tough, you know. <clears throat> you guys have a. Uh, I, I did get to work with you guys a little bit. I did the Cambrian Patrol in two thousand whatever. You, you, you guys are hard as fuck. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Canadians we have a great warrior history, right? World War One, the longer guys, World War Two, Afghanistan, Korea. We know how to fight, but our warrior culture within our military is not where you guys are. And, and I know that. Oh, what's the difference? What do you mean? Like I, an example I just gave you, it, it's, it, there's a lot of fat. We have a, not as much as the Americans, but it's more... Uh, oh, wait, uh, we have unfit and overweight people. You no, not as right much places. as Canada, my friend. I, I tell you, I live here now. I'll, tr- I'll point you to some units. <laughs> there's certain units. <laughs> there's certain units, but I, I, I tell you, man, I've, I've, I've watched it. Have a look you on guys, TV for the King's Coronation. Yeah, you'll see him. No, just just harder culture. I, I just told you the, when we were getting a coffee before this, the, the two Kansas guys that are here for coronation this oh, weekend, yeah. and they're doing drill from 4.30 yeah. in the morning. SF operators that we don't do drill ever. And they're drilling for the last 10 days, 5.30 in the morning to, to 7 p.m. at night. And there's some, I don't know what units is leading it, but some sergeant major is just hard as fuck. See, at we them. wouldn't send SF yeah. on the drill. It's Commonwealth, right? There's, I, I guess he was telling me, this guy, he's, there's a bit of everything. They, they, and they pick, I don't yeah. know what they did wrong, like I told you, I don't know what they did wrong to, to get on that detail, but there's there's two guys here that, that will be on uh, the, part of the parade or whatever uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And, and they're saying, it just connects with what I'm saying is, you guys are hard, and, and I work alongside all retired uh, British guys now, and the stories we share, and it's, it's just harder. You know, yeah. around and yeah, I think that's just down to the the, the length of history we have with it. I yeah. think that's it. You of know, course. it's like yeah. uh, just we, we, yeah. But I mean, on the subject drill, mate, like you will, you we most units in the British military are at most average at drill, right? Mm-hmm. At most, at best, average at drill. There's only a couple. Oh, which really? are like ninja yeah, in it. There's only a couple which are ninja in it. More news from uh, one of our sponsors. Rugby for Heroes have got their final, their last ever Rugby for Heroes beer and gin festival. It is this year. It is on. It is on the seventh, the 16th and 17th of June. And it is going to be at Old Lemontonians RFC, the venue they've always had the festivals at. Uh, and it's going to be an incredible time. So... I don't think I can share the agenda yet, but I can guarantee you that you will enjoy it. This is two days of most excellent entertainment, live music. In fact, there's other there's other live entertainment going on. I don't think I can describe that yet either. But you're going to enjoy it. There's a fancy dress theme on the weekend. Um, the best way to keep an eye on what's happening and when and how to get tickets because it's a free event by the way is uh via at rugby for heroes their social media at rugby number four heroes rugby for heroes 
So go, go on there, uh, follow Rugby Heroes, and then as soon as those tickets pop up, get them. I will see you at the event. And uh, bring everyone. Bring your whole fucking village. Mikey doesn't care, Mikey being the person who's organising the event. Old Glems don't care, the more the merrier. It's going to be a quality event, and it's going to be the last one. So make sure you're there, raising money for military charities, rugby, beer drinking, gin drinking, food, entertainment, laughter. Why would you not? Why would you not? Why would you not go? And they're, and, and they're mainly the, guard, the guards units. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because they, they I guess it's the one you see in London and stuff. Right? Yeah, there's a few yeah. different regiments that yeah. rotate through that. Um, but they're yeah, mainly guards units, uh, and they injured it. And again, that's down to like history, history of it. It's down to a bunch of different factors. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one second. Right, uh, the uh, we are back. We had some, we had some unexpected, unexpected visitors, but we are back. Uh, right, what were we talking about? What were we talking about? Warrior culture. Yeah, we were talking. Oh, drill. Drill. Yes, there's only a couple of units. Only a couple of units who like all. I say a couple. There's a few who are like ninja at it, and that's but that's because they do the ceremonial stuff mm-hmm. at the at various locations, mainly in London. Um. And they they'll do it for two, like two years, mate. They'd be like for, so for two years. Their role is ceremonial duties. Here so we're in London two now. Two year posting. Yeah. Two years, mate. But uh, I don't know. Some, French, some people enjoy it. Yeah. Some people don't. There's something called in Quebec City, so the capital of, of the province of Quebec, um, where all the French infantry is based on, on the Quebec base. Uh, there's three battalions there. And the second battalion, uh, maybe if there's uh, military guys that would understand Vain Dude, that's the nickname for the Royal 22nd Regiment. That's the French Canadian uh, Infantry Regiment. <coughs> and their nickname is Vain Dues, because Vain Dure is the number, 22nd. And, and Anglos, they, they can't pronounce Vain Dure, so they say Vain Dues. So that became her, her nickname. I don't know when it started, but... If you say if you refer to vain dues in Canada, <coughs> I don't know you're speaking about uh, French, uh, Canadian infantry, whatever. But the second Royal Twenty Second is um, responsible. There's a citadel there. Back from when France and England were fighting for the country, uh, the the last battle, you know that when you guys kicked the French ass, it was the last battle was was in around that citadel. So, so it's an old fortress, basically, from the 1600s. And, and there's, there's a lot of ceremonial um, stuff taking uh. place in the summer, mostly, yeah, there. And um, the, the, the second battalion is responsible to man this, and, and it's a two-year uh, posting. That, or uh, Yeah, I, I believe so. I've never been in the, the second battalion doing it, but uh, it's a two-year, I think, that, that, that they're dressed... Uh, Plus our lineage, right? It's the same uh, ceremonial dress, the, the red uniform. Tunic. With, with the, how do you call the big bob? The, uh, the uh, bearskin. Yeah, the bearskin. So the be- bearskin, yeah. So it's the same out there, is it, with her? Yeah, oh. because of her Commonwealth lineage. It's a royal, my, my infantry battalion, was. it's a royal from mm. Royal 22nd Regiment. Question. Is there much of a cultural divide between French Canadians and Anglo-Canadians? Uh there is it, it tapered down, and, and 
let's take my grandfather for example so so in the in before world war ii you know uh, early 1900s the french canadian that you know we, we we have our own province how could i relate it here irish we were the poor class of canada as a whole right you guys the french canadians right? yeah you guys won the war right back in 1600s you guys won france didn't french france didn't so so we became kind of like the the poor community of canada as a whole the not anymore but the prosecuted and and all the high paying jobs i'm talking about quebec province it's like saying england right like the quebec province back when my grandfather was was a young working man <coughs> these guys couldn't get good jobs all corporate level of it was english right and and french canadian I, i've learned in school to speak somewhat you know english i still can't speak it properly but it was a thing but back then back so not long ago right like not even a hundred years ago that french people were seen as lower class canadian um and and blue collar all the now i'm speaking about montreal you know blue collar jobs were french canadian because it's a french it's a french province really blue collar and all the management level would be english you know if you look at the island of of montreal the west end is predominantly english and, and it's kind of this mount royal there's a small little mount on the island and it's all where the rich houses are like like saying chelsea kensington like richer and where i'm from the east side of the city where where all the french canadians lived is the rundown neighborhoods and and not anymore but back not too long ago when my, my grandfather all the blue collar lived at the bottom of the mound and all the rich guys live on the mound and they would own the companies and be you know corporate level and and my my granddad was a blue collar so so back then i'm saying there was a big divide not not anymore you know <coughs> there's something called the separatists right I, you're probably aware there was many referendum quebec wanted to separate from canada and be a country which is fucking so ridiculous to me but back then you need to understand that revolution and like hey let's take back our our country or whatever well isn't ottawa talking about it now ottawa, ottawa yeah. Yeah, they they're talking about it aren't they separating Sep there is no, conversation there, about there, it. there was a referendum when i was a, a child so uh -huh. there, there was one I, I don't remember the year but probably early 90s uh, we could google it after there was a, a referendum in my lifetime Quebec trying to be a country. That's so fucking stupid. We, we wouldn't be able to, to be a, a country the size of, you know, Quebec is what? If you take the UK, I think it fits twice in it, you know? So, so it's a big problem. It's Canada's twice big. the size of the UK. Uh, I, I, look, don't, one and a half at least. We'll, we'll, we'll compare it after. But, I uh, want an answer for you now so I can text you later and say you're talking shit. This, this, uh, pro <laughs> I, I, at least it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You have a go on. At yeah. least the same size, for sure. You know how big Canada is, right? So it's all relative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Look, yeah. we can do it right now. Just, just go on Google Earth or whatever. Zoom no, out. Look at. I know, I've got no internet. The UK. Yeah, internet. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, at least the same size. 
okay, and um, uh, the entire UK. Yeah, it's bigger. Right? Quebec is bigger than the UK. Anyway, whatever. There's a lot that's not populated. <coughs> what I'm saying is that it'd be ridiculous. The trade agreements now that we need to do. Plus, with our military background, Canada would not let that happen, because we're the. We make the most electricity with water, hydroelectricity. We feed a lot of Canada with electricity. So, so obviously, Canada would be like revolution or whatever they'll just take us over right there's no we, we could sustain ourselves as a country so i find it ridiculous that these guys are like we're separatists we'll become our own country and whatever no divide so to answer the question less divide especially in montreal is bilingual and it's multicultural now quebec city <coughs> quebec city that's about a you know three-hour drive from Montreal, that, that's that's where there's still a reminiscence of vive le Quebec libre, you know, like they, you know, probably like a IRA, you know, it's still around, but not as much as 70s. Same thing in Quebec City. It's called the separatist movement. They're still around. Good example. I'm born in Montreal, right? I'm French-Canadian. I, spe- I speak Quebecois. It's a, it's a version of French. Born in Montreal, joined the French Canadian Infantry, which is based in Quebec City. So I'm a Montreal boy going to Quebec City to join my military, the Canadian military. And I, I refer myself as a French Canadian. They don't. They refer themselves as Quebecois. There's a big difference. They call themselves Quebecois as opposed to French Canadian. French Canadian. And we'd get in fist fight. They don't like... French Canadian from Montreal, and we don't, we don't really like. French. Is that because they are separatists and yes. they see Montreal yeah. as and not? Montreal, right. we're my, multi uh, bilingual. We, we're Canadians. Quebec City is is the the birthplace or like the their homeland. You know, it's different, different culture, man. If if you look at Quebec province, there's two culture: Montrealers and Quebec. Yeah, this is like. Um this is like Republicans and Unionists, Northern yeah. Ireland. Everyone's Northern Irish, yeah. but you got some who want to be we're fucking we're part of Ireland. We're, yeah. we're we're part of Ireland. That's who we are, and you got others who are no, no, no. We're part of the UK. Yeah. They're all Northern Irish, yeah, exactly. So, so I spent my early military career <coughs> being based in Quebec City, but from Montreal. I hated the nightlife and the social life there so much because I was kind of shunned. Oh, you're from Montreal. You know, I'm a young seventeen-year-old. I want to get laid as much as possible. It was almost impossible there. I would drive every weekend. You know, you get your weekend pass and see you Monday. I would drive the three hours to Montreal to be with my people and, and do my nightlife there. Because as soon as a, a girl would find out you're from Montreal, not all of them, but most of them. Oh, Montreal. Or, oh, oh, you know. it's it's probably look i'm a dinosaur like i said but it's probably like that still guys get their leave pass for the weekend if they're from montreal they'll go back to what they know same province same language but i never introduced myself in my life as a quebecois french canadian so uh, quebecois are they quite right leaning they're quite are they quite right right-leaning like conservative uh, look I've, I've, I've never been political that much 
Um, no, I, I would say they're pretty liberal there. Mm. Um, and again, I'm not mm. a politically inclined guy. Like I, the job I was doing, I understood that no politician says the truth. And I, <coughs> I, I, I'm conservative. I vote conservative. But uh, no, I don't, uh, Quebec as a... Look, the answer from me to you, Quebec is a pretty liberal... The liberals love to win in Quebec during the elections. And, and it's a big province in, in, times of pop, uh, in terms of population and stuff. So Quebec, you know, you know how politics work. They need to spend a lot of time in Quebec because mm. Quebec has a lot of votes and it's an important province to, to win. Mm. Yeah. Most provinces hate Quebec um, and I understand them because of uh, it's called the equality payment. Look, let's not get into that, but other provinces of Canada need the governments need to pay in every year or whenever that. Oh, is. I heard about this last yeah, year. And it's crazy. I think it was actually the same thing I was listening to a podcast, listening to, and it was a, a, a politician from Ottawa. Is that same conversation? Mm-hmm. Right. Explain the payment thing at Quebec. <sighs> And again, I never really paid interest to it too much because I'm Canadian. But um, I think it, it part has, and I could be somewhat wrong, it part has to do with when you guys won the country and gave us a little piece of land is retribution or whatever. As being French Canadians. Yeah. yeah. Like, pay, so, so, you know, I know for a fact the province of Alberta, which is our, one of our biggest money maker with the oil, they... They're not a super rich province, though, because they have to. They're really wealthy, you know. They export oil, especially the U.S. a lot. They're rich, but not that rich because they have to give a lot of money to Quebec. So Alberta, it's Quebec where the government is based. No, in Ottawa, in Ontario, or capital of the country is Ottawa in Ontario. I might be thinking of Alberta, not Ottawa. But go on, yeah, go on. Alberta is west. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and oil rich. Yeah. But they pay a lot of money. They're one of the provinces that paid the most into Quebec. They, they almost all do pay into Quebec. And then Why so Quebec and not Alberta? And then they pay and, uh, Hang on, what's the capital? My geography in Canada o- is Ottawa. Ottawa, Ottawa, right. Yeah. So why why into Quebec and not into Ontario? They, they also pay a lot in Ontario. So the, the two provinces that oh Canada kind of dislike the most is Ontario, where the capital is, yeah. and Quebec. Right, so right. why do they have to pay Quebec? Retribution, I believe, at some point, but also oh, like remember a reparation. Oh my god! Oh, did I say retribution? Sorry, reparation. reparation yeah. Kind of. I think that's how it somewhat started. But yeah. but there's also that we we export a lot of electricity, and then now they need to pay because whatever. And and again, look, you can tell I'm not a professional or you know professor of of geopolitics in Canada, and and, and on purpose. When I joined, especially when I became a man, you know, I just fucked that. I'm going to concentrate on, on going through my career and, and surviving it and being the best soldiers I can be. So I kind of, that was noise to me. But that's what I understand of it. Uh, but, but there's a lot of Canadians, especially more dislocated, right? Such a big country. If you're far west, you think we're the devil, like the Quebecers, which, which I make sure every time I meet, because I do a bit of consulting in Canada at the moment and stuff with law enforcement and, and uh, other people 
and when I speak, I do some leadership training and you know, use my experience in leadership to try to bring it to the corporate world. World. Every time I sit in, in a in a room with with people that are from out west, I make sure that I start like that. I'm like, hey. I always say I sound retarded because my, my accent. I'm like, I might sound retarded fucking with a potato in my mouth, but I'm a French-Canadian. I defended her values. You know, I pointed. I'm like, I defended her values. And I started right off the bat like that. But immediately they're like, oh. Because they know that a Quebecer, French-Canadian, but they, they think a Quebecer is coming and talking to them. So I make sure I set the mood. Like, I, I, I've served my country for, for two decades. I'm a French Canadian, and they're all like, "Oh, okay," and then, then it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Your accent's fine, right? Nothing wrong with it. Nah, potato. And another thing is, I can't speak French correctly anymore, like Quebecois. Like I, I speak to my brother, you know, my my father. They're like, "Oh, I look, I, I'm searching for my words, and I, I I put an English word in there." So so basically, if you, if you take it to the basic. I do not speak one language properly. <laughs> 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 can't speak English and I can't speak French. It's funny. I go to Paris. You know, it's a short train ride from here. They can't understand me in French. Okay. Plus, they have a hard time with Quebecois. But yeah, so I don't speak any uh, language fully. It's funny. Yeah, but... That's another thing, the relationship between Quebecois and French friends. They see us as like bastard cousins. It's funny to me. It's funny because don't give a oh, shit. Oh right. Yeah, it's kind. You know when when <laughs> colonization of Canada happened, just like you. We talked about that the other day. You guys sent your conscript to Australia, right? <laughs> Friends did that. They sent their conscript to, to Canada. So my bloodline is is prisons and, and women as prostitutes, and it's it's funny historical fact. That, that I, I, I read a lot into. When, when the king of France said, okay, yeah, let's get some furs and, and whatever wood from, from Canada. They, they are, the army didn't want to go, the, you know, the officers. You guys sent troops and officers and the proper people. They, they, were like, oh, they did like you guys did in Australia. I emptied the prison because it was hard, right? The wilderness and the, the natives. And so they needed hard men. So I'm blessed by that because my, my pool gene is tough again woodsmen, you know, like cr basic criminals and stuff, but tough, tough humans. That's why we got along with the natives uh, quite easily and, and we survived in this harsh environment. Well, the natives, they're Inuits. Up north, there's different kinds, but Indians, you know, like the ones with bow and arrow. Oh, the same in Canada as it was in North America? Yeah. Uh, because, of course, it's uh, North America, isn't because, it? Talking it's stupid North idiots. America, right? Yeah. There, there is. Mate, I, I, you know what? Until you mentioned that, it never dawned on me. Of course, yeah. I associate Native Indians with USA. Yeah, no. Obviously it's not. America, it's North America. You, and then there's oh, a, yes. like wow. a hundred and some different tribes. Fucking and, good. Yeah, I'm an idiot yeah. sometimes. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. Look, it's far, it's far away from you. Um, yeah, so where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, so the French sees us as the... Like current French, because mm. her accent's different. They they think I bastardize their. It's, it's, it's a slang, right? So I bastardize the French, the beautiful, you know, the snooty over there, right? Like mm. the beautiful French language, best language in the world. We're destroying it with my accent. Is it? You think so the French is, is the best accent in the world? French? No, fuck no. Uh, look, uh, 
sorry if there's French people listening, but I'm going to apologize right now, but I'm a guy that says the truth at all times. In, in Canada, if and I have not, nothing against homosexual, but but <laughs> no zero against them. I'm just saying that in Canada, in Quebec province, if, if you're gay, somehow I don't know why, but they 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 adopt the French way of speaking. They speak like whether they're French Canadian or not. No, they're French Canadian. They're Quebecois. Yeah, but they decide to. To be homosexual, they're homosexuals. Yeah, they all sound French from they Paris. Don't, they don't always decide. I think they're born like that. No, they have the lisp the, 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 from the French. They adopt it like that. Yeah, they adopt they, the they, accent. They fo- like that. Yes. In the same way, over here, you get some some people who are gay. They will be camp. Yeah. Adopt that. Interesting. You know, yeah. you can yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't know why, but you yeah. can tell an English homosexual because his voice is more feminine and, and different. I. In some cases, not all Look, cases. Not all cases. Some cases. Look, the I, obvious I'm not ones. trying to sound. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, my story is. You that were painting a broad brush on the yeah, cross yeah, a lot of gay a, people. Yeah, and I'm, I'm apologizing. <laughs> it's, it's like saying all lesbians are butch. Yeah. yeah exactly. not. I don't mean butch like you. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, yeah, okay. if you want to understand the little joke I have, is that to me, basically, all French people from France sound gay. Because I'm born, I'm amused to that ah, accent. You see where I was ah, going? Is, is If I go to Paris, everybody, they're not. Everyone but everybody sounds, sounds, everyone sounds hom- camp. homosexuals to me because in, in oh, Canada. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. It is a very romantic language, isn't it? What about, so talking about languages. I think partic- you're correct. That's why maybe they. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about you? And you since you've been here in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. Are there any accents you've been exposed to and you think, and you've thought, what? What the fuck? Look, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm starting to, to understand. You know, I, I work with Richie. We work together. Oh, oh, God. Again? Scouser. Uh, Scouser. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting. I'm, I'm, I'm at the infancy of understanding you guys' accent of where you're coming from. Because at first, I thought he was from Scotland. Because he said, I'm a Sc- Sc- Scots... What, what's his accent? It's, Scouse. 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 I'm a Scouser. He said, I'm a Scouse. You know? Yeah. To me, he was saying he was from Scotch. He was Scotch. Yeah. Yeah, Scotch. Anyway, I'm starting. (laughs) You know, my my wife, (laughs) my wife, I was an Essex accent. I didn't know there was an Essex. 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 See, I can't even pronounce it properly. Yes, Essex. So so I'm starting to, okay, look, I've been on it is we are it's, I mean, we're, it's one of the wildest places I think I mean it's one of the wildest English speaking places on the mm-hmm. planet I can't speak for yeah. places that don't speak English because I'm going to fucking hours clue away. you drive two it's hours away there's a different less than that much less than that right yeah. I'll take you up to where my girlfriend lives in Warwickshire where my, where my, my main studio is mm-hmm. in Warwickshire right Warwick accent is really mild it's not really got any accent right Lemon Spa Warwick It's a real mild Just normal British It's a bit of a twang there You can tell If you've been around there For a while right um, You go 20 minutes On the train And go west 20 minutes on the train And you're in Birmingham And you might as well Be on a different fucking yeah, planet Yeah it's crazy In Birmingham <laughs> That's how they speak yeah. it, They are wild And it's like And you're a thick Brummy Brummy You call it Brummy accent uh-huh. A thick Brummy accent You don't know 
where you are on the planet, mate. I'm telling you, and it's and trying to just, know, it's, it, it, it's that it's it, as extreme as going to Scotland and speaking to it because there's one thing speaking to like a Scottish person in London, mm-hmm. it's one thing speaking to a Scouser like Richie in London. Mm-hmm. You go with Richie to Scouseland, you go with Richie to yeah. Liverpool and see if you can keep a track of the conversation. Yeah. You won't have a fucking clue. Yeah. No one does yeah. apart from yeah. Scousers yeah. or people who live in Liverpool with Scousers. <laughs> wild, I've known wild. Richie almost a year now and we were great together, but we were laughing about, not long ago, we were laughing about it that now we understand each other perfectly almost. You know, rarely am I going to have to say, pardon me, what did you say? But at first, this guy, the lips were moving <laughs> and we're trying to build something together. The lips are moving, I'm like... I have no clue what he just said. <laughs> I'm going to nod. <laughs> nod. Mm. But, but now we're good because my brain, you know, gets used to it. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's good. And then like you said, you go to places which are, which are bilingual. Mm-hmm. So you go to like, I can think of South Africa as an example. You go to South Africa and they'll be talking. South Africa will be talking yeah. English mm-hmm. and then chucking in Afrikaans words. Yeah, yeah. So what? What did you yeah, say? Yeah, what? Exactly. what did same you thing, say? Same thing what? in Montreal. Yeah, Montreal is a same, real yeah. mix. Yeah. We'll, we'll say we Wild. adopted a lot of English Wild. words, and it's it's fluent now. Yeah, you know? wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, quality. The world is a, the world is a very very fascinating place. I love it. I think if I could if I could live for five hundred years, I think that's the time you'd need to be able to go around every single country or at or on every single significant different part of a country in the world and experience it. Just yeah. spend like a week yeah, in each yeah, place, yeah. a week. We're we're lucky we're well travelled, right? The stuff you saw, the stuff I saw. Yeah, there's something Just to be said for being a vampire. Quickly, because I feel I need to share this. Quickly, let's go back to the, the divide. Remember, I, I said earlier. Oh, 10 minutes left if that go uh, what fixed it it's a funny historical fact that what fixed that divide is, is around 1920 something is hockey ice hockey oh really the greatest player that ever played with Maurice Richard was French Canadian he was blue collar <coughs> from, from that east part of Montreal and he got um, to play with Montreal Canadiens and, and back then even in hockey world there was a divide. The French Canadian players were the best, but they were treated and paid like shit. Hockey player didn't make much money back then, but even then, French Canadian players were the best, were paid like shit, were treated like shit. So you could have a French Canadian player and a Canadian player on yeah. the same team. Yeah. The French Canadian would get paid less. Yeah. Oh my God. A, a, there's a great movie. I don't know if they translated what? it in English, but I could send it to you. It will explain the entire thing. Maurice Richard was the first, he was the best player. He was destroying everybody in the league. There was about seven teams back then. He was destroying everybody. And he was working harder than any other player because English players and, and the coach and the team owner would not get him protected on the ice. You know, ice hockey is mm-hmm. really brutal, right? Mm-hmm. It's hits. <clears throat> Back then, it was even worse. They'd fucking chop each other with the sticks and stuff. He wasn't getting protected. But he was the be- He was the one that was making Montreal win Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup. At some point, the blue-collar side, the French-Canadian Montreal, did a big fucking riot, you know, to defend their, their star player. And the, the movie would explain it better, but they stood by him and there was a big fucking uproar that the city was on fire. Like the crazy shit. Yeah, like a full, full on riot. It's cops. Quebec. Quebec, in Montreal, the island of Montreal. And he was such a hero and a, and a, a face for the French Canadian that 
he went in the news and the snap of his finger, he stopped the, 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 the week-long burning buildings, burning cop cars, you know. The Englishman was the boss of everything. He stopped it. And that was the seed and the start of the English, the, the Canadian English world starting to listen to, to the French needs, the Quebecois needs. And, and it started with hockey, with this guy going on the news and stopping this crazy riot that, that not a riot that lasts a few hours, like they were, it was lost control in the French Canadian population. And he, he, he literally like, my grandfather remembers. He stopped it. He's like, hey, peace, stop. Oh, so we're we talking burning. what, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? Yeah, 1920-something. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. What's the film called? called Maurice Richard, but I'm not sure if they... I owe you to, to send you a, yeah, a send link to an English version. Yeah. I, I believe they might be an English version. Yeah, send it Maybe over. subtitles. Oh, I don't mind, I don't mind subtitles. It's a great, yeah. it's a great movie. Oh, and, it, and it will explain everything we talked about. It will explain... Um, yeah, the, that's the interesting. I never knew about that. Yeah, I never yeah. knew about hey, that. Even in the, in the, we call it an arena, in the stadium. Uh, it, it was just like uh, back down south in the States, French Canadian weren't allowed to mingle with English Canadians. So in the stadium, there'd be fences. You're on the Quebecois side or you're on the, the English Canadian side. Mm. On the bus, they're just like racism in the States. Mm. On the bus, the French Canadians sit at the back. Like it was the same in my grandfather era. He, ice hockey fixed it. Maurice Richard fixed it. Interesting. With, with his with his drive and, and and he was the best player in the league, getting beaten like with sticks every night. You know, crazy. Yeah, crazy. The world was not a nice place. Mm-hmm. It was not a not, not a nice place. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, right. What have we not covered? Is anything you want to anything you want to plug or anything before we before we call us? Yeah, what's six minutes left? Well, six. I, I, we don't I, have to I, use the six. Yeah, I, I, I don't need to plug anything. Um, thank you for having me. My first, you know. Um, no, it's been really pleasure, mate. Reluctant to do any. I'm happy we didn't touch on military career too much. Maybe another time. I'm we'll do it again, mate. I mean, yeah. it's a shame we haven't got longer today. Well, I've got I've got time pressures today, but um, we'll do it again and um, come up to the come up to the studio. Yeah, yeah the that my yeah. studio. Like big, big shout to bags. A br- a brand, big shout to bags for letting us use the. Uh, a brand I stand behind that I should have said earlier instead of you go boss is Ducati, and we're we're both uh, Ducati. Ducati fans. Yeah. So I'll write the Ducati up and then. Uh, and I've just introduced you to Sunita's Guild. Yeah. T-shirt, yeah. mate. Yeah. Check them out. Check I them will. Out. Promise you. Um, but yeah, come up to the studio up there, and we'll maybe I don't know. We'll try and tie it in the event or whatever up there. In in June, mid June is a, a a military festival on up there. Rugby for Heroes festival. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is going nice. to be a big event. I'm, I'm starting to get into rugby. What, playing? Like, no, I'm just watching it. Oh, mate, come up. Yeah, yeah. Richie, Richie, R- Richie has played at the, yeah, at the festival. He's the one that's, you know, he brought me to a game. It was yeah, England against Italy. I really liked it. Uh, yeah, well, come up for that weekend. Yeah, bring Richie up. He's been there before. He knows yeah, where cool. it is. Cool. And the studio's there. Perfect. We'll do it. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Definitely do it again. Definitely do it again. Yeah, I did enjoy it. You're, you're an easy, uh, easy one to work with. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm introvert, so I, I don't like speaking about myself. And then you, you are talking shit. No way. <laughs> that's See? rubbish. That's a persona. That's, ru- that's, a, that's really. A pers- I, I promise I you, on, on on our Lord, 
Are uh, you talk the hind legs of a donkey when we've met before? Because I liked you. How did I introduce myself? Sebastian or Seb- Butch? I, can't, I think it was Sebastian. Uh, fuck off. <laughs> Fucking liar. <laughs> I think you assigned a decent, a, a good tag to me only because I was associated with bags. I think that's it. You know, but hey, but he, he, he said, hey, you're going to meet this guy. He's a great guy. You know, I didn't have a clue about your I podcast. I'll I, I, I let you into a little secret. I, th- I thought, because my memory's terrible, I thought it was Dutch. Right? I had you my phone as Dutch. And I was like, Dutch. You know, I was doing mental somersaults. Like, Dutch or Butch? Like, Dutch or Butch? So also, we met at the bike shed, and the owner mm-hmm. of the bike shed, the owners are Dutch and Vicky. So I was like, is it Dutch or Butch? Dutch or Butch? Yeah. And, I was, and I was like, no one calls himself Butch. It must be Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say the bags, Dutch or Butch? He says Butch. Oh, it's Butch. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, it's really common in Canada, but, it, but yeah, here. Uh, yeah. yeah, mate, been, been a pleasure. Cool. And good luck. Good luck with the business, mate. Thank you, buddy. Sweet. That's it. If you enjoyed this episode, why not become a H-Hour patron? H-Hour patrons get exclusive access to premium content there are private interviews with previous guests and with this guest that nobody will see except for the h-hour patrons so before this podcast was recorded i recorded an exclusive q a a shorter interview structured around eight questions all the questions were chosen by patrons beforehand and that interview is online now for patrons that happens every time patrons also get access to all of the episodes before anyone else they get advanced viewing of the episodes and you also get other perks and bonuses all of the information is on charliecharlie1.com just hit the menu item become a patron it'll show you everything there including access to the h-hour discord community and private patron only channels on there so go to charliecharlie1.com and hit the menu item become a patron easy peasy thank you for being a supporter subscribe to the channel and i will catch you on the next episode thank you